You are listening to the Lazy Equity Podcast, brought to you by Bobby Hayeri and Darren Venter, founders of the Investors Agency and Debar. With over 20 years' experience in real estate between them and having bought hundreds, if not thousands, of properties around the country, you are in the right place to learn all things property. This podcast is designed to educate and empower everyday Aussies to take control of their future through property. Hey guys, and welcome to the latest episode of the Lazy Equity Podcast, and I'm so excited to have a very special guest on the show. So today's guest was actually the very first guest on the uh, on the podcast going way back when. He's a barbecue connoisseur, and, and, and you'll note that I mentioned that one first because it is the most important. He is a multiple business owner. He's a father of, of two, soon to be, very, very soon to be three. Sam Panetta, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you, mate. I've never been described like that before. That was the best. That's how I'm going to introduce myself from now on to people. <laughs> Oh, mate. No, thank you for coming on. Like I said, you guys, you were the very first, uh, very first guest on the show. So hopefully the pod, the hosting skills have uh, have improved slightly since then. I'm sure they would have, mate. So I, uh, I love coming on and, and bantering with you. We uh, we do it all the time over the phone. So we might as well get in, uh, get on the mic sometimes and film it and uh, see see what comes out, eh? Hundred percent, mate. Super excited to have you on. So, first thing I wanted to touch on was um was your barbecuing skills, mate. I see the eight thousand uh, stories that go up uh, on social media with all the different meats that go on from sunset to sunrise. And when did you get into the cooking? So, I, I got really stuck into it about six months ago, nine months ago, when we moved into our, our new house. So, we we built a, a place up at Collaroy, and we had a, a had an outdoor kitchen with a with a barbecue and a beer tap set up, and we got this massive smoker, uh, three hundred sixty kilo smoker, and. I'd never been much of a cook, right? Uh, and I really wanted to learn. I really wanted to, to learn how to cook so I could, you know, cook things for my family, for my friends. So yep. I went with the boys. We'd done a couple of cooking courses, yep. American-style barbecues and steaks and things along that nature. Yep. Uh, and we just got we got more and more into it, you yep. know what I mean? And it, it's a it's – a, it's a real hobby for me now because I've never, I've never really had a hobby. I've, I've sort of worked a lot and I've always had lots of, you know, family and friend things on. And this is something that I'm learning that's got nothing to do with business. Yeah. It's got nothing to do uh, with anything else that I pursue. Yeah. And it's a lot of fun, man. It's it's a lot of fun. There's a lot of banter around it, and there's delicious foods that we get to get to eat. Yeah. Um, we make a day of it, and I get to have all my family and all my friends in my home. Get to cook for them. It's it, that's the, the pinnacle of luxury for me. That's the, the absolute best thing that you can do in life. Yeah, well, it's such a – firstly, congratulations on the new place. Obviously, Thank you've been you. working so hard over the last few years and uh, and the place looks looks amazing. It's the perfect uh, entertainer's home, but I also – I feel like as you become a father and as your kids get older, you want somewhere where you can create memories for the kids and somewhere that they'll remember as they grow up. And and um, and I don't know about you, but for me, like even barbecuing when family comes over, like I remember growing up, I had an uncle who used to always be on the barbecue when we would go over. Yes. So it's just like you sort of want for the nieces and nephews to, to just have a memory of you. And, it, and it's weird that I've tied myself personally to barbecuing, <laughs> but that's how I sort of grew up. Did that have an impact to you at all in terms of um, wanting to be that uncle that, you know, always did really good cook-ups for the, for the family? This is a really good question. I didn't even think about it until just now. So my grandfather, who passed away about six months ago, uh, I lived with him my whole life, right, until I, until I got married and moved out with my wife. And uh, every Sunday he would put a barbecue on. Right, and he'd, he'd do Buster on the barbecue. Right, no one ever seen that before. He used to cook Buster on the barbecue, and he used okay. to do all other sorts of pasta things. on the barbecue. Yeah, pasta. Never heard, never heard of it. No. Right, so he used to do Buster on the barbecue. It was really good. Um, that was like his signature dish. Okay, and, and I didn't even think about it until you said it. But obviously, growing up, every Sunday, you had hundreds and potentially thousands of Sundays of my life watching him uh, cook probably did have a it did have an impact because all of us would get together every Sunday, everyone in the family. Um, 
So thanks for bringing that to my attention, mate. Uh, and condolences to your, for your uh, for your, you. for your grandfather. I know, yeah, when, when it when it did happen a while ago. Obviously, Italian families you're always so close and and, and such a tight knit family. So the impact that it can have is, is obviously quite a, quite a big one. So condolences to you. Thank guys. you, mate. Yeah, it's one of those hard things, hard part of life. Do you know what I mean? When you lose someone you love. Yeah, and um, you're one week away from having your yes. third child. Yes, three girls, mate. Three girls. Um, Are you going to keep going till you have a boy? No, I um. <laughs> When I was eight years old, I had a dream that I was going to have four girls when I was, when Actually, I was older. Actually, you told me this. That's right. Yeah. Uh, and I said to my wife, because she's always wanted three kids, I obviously wanted four because I had that, that dream. Um, I said to my wife, I said, look, if we get to three and one of them's a boy, then obviously I'm full of shit. <laughs> but, <laughs> but if we get to three and all three of them are girls, we've got to go, for, to go. We've got to go for number four. So <laughs> I'm probably not going to try convince her now that she's a week out from giving birth, <laughs> but, but maybe afterwards, yeah. maybe afterwards uh, I'll see if I can try for, for my fourth girl, mate. Have you guys, well, you've obviously had the conversation. What's the, uh, what's the, what's the been like from, from your wife now that, you know, you haven't even had your third yet? Um, I think she, she's a pretty firm no at this point. <laughs> <laughs> I think she's a pretty firm no, but I'm, I'm convincing. I think I can put together a pretty good argument and uh, put put something together there. How funny! Well, you got a, you got a bit of time. We'll see how you go when you have this uh, when you have the third one. So hopefully it all runs smoothly and uh, hopefully it all hopefully it all goes well. Thank you. Thank you. We uh, we would like three D and I as well. We always wanted three. We always saw ourselves with three. Last few months, I've been having my doubts. <laughs> How old's the little one? The little one is eight months. Yeah. And the, the eldest is turns three in July. Yes, yes. So yes, we are yes. in the thick of it. The little one's quite easy. It's the toddler that's that's quite challenging. Mm. Um so I'm having my doubts, but you know, we we're talking before 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 we started recording today and like I'm not home much. So like it, it's always it, it is a lot harder for, for the wife of the house and mm. given that you know she's the full time full time mother, so it is a lot harder for her. So if she if she, you know, wants wants three, and, and I'm not home around as much to be able to help, then you know, I feel like they have uh, a bit more of a say mm-hmm. as long as everything else is aligned and everything else works works out in terms of the the parenting side of things. Mm. I feel like she has the the final say. Yeah, because the workload falls onto the to the person that stays at home. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Um, and. It's it's that old thing, you know. Someone's out there hunting. Someone's out there taking care of the taking care of the family. Yeah. Um, you got to do it as a team. I reckon. Like it's life is hard enough as it is. Yeah. Right. And when you've when you've got that household and you're doing things together and you're on the same page, it makes what's a difficult situation a lot easier to 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 do. So. Yeah. I'll see how you go, mate. We'll, you, see. You <laughs> we'll see how we go. We've had some people say two to three is is, is just as fucked as one to two. So, so, <laughs> so don't worry, it's not going to get any harder. And we've had other people say it gets a lot harder. So, I don't know. We'll uh, we'll see how we go. I'll report back to you in yeah. six months. I'll let you know in six months. <laughs> Please do, mate. I'll, so, um, so what we're we going to say is saying I'll be grayer than what I was <laughs> than what I am now. So, if anyone saw the first podcast, I'm going gray at a rapid rate. <laughs> I've noticed mine coming through as well. That's why I keep myself. Nice <laughs> but mate, what are you um, what are you what are you seeing on the? I'd love to talk to you. There's a few things I want to talk to you about today yes. on the. Uh, I guess on the more professional side as well. Um, obviously, lots of changes happening with interest rates, the economy. These things happen um, throughout history, and and the budget's just been released as well. So there's a few things we want to unpack. But I guess first of all, like one of the things I love to ask is on the finance side because I feel like that is the first hurdle that people need to jump through 
to then go buy a property. And generally, when things are picking up on the finance side, then you can make a safe assumption that things are picking up on the property side. If things drop off in terms of new um, new, new, new inquiries and whatnot, then you can make a safe assumption that people aren't buying. So I'd love to ask that question in regards to what are you seeing on the finance side of things at Aureus? And for those of you listening, um, so Sam, why don't you tell the listeners, we, we'd already, we touched on this on the second episode when you mm. did come on, but why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about Aureus and what you guys do there and what you're seeing there at the moment? All right, cool. So Aureus is a holistic financial services business. That's how I would describe it. And if you broke it down, there's the mortgage broking, financial planning, the business coaching, the tax and accounting, and then the property investment piece with guys such as you, Bobby. Right? And with the mortgage piece, which is probably the most – the most relevant to what we're talking about about here. Let's yeah. you, we, we can look at our business from what we're seeing, and then we can look at what what's going on in the in the sort of macro environment. Sure. Start with the with the, the with the macro first. So, what we saw over the the past couple of years, right? We saw the volumes of new loans being written decrease significantly, yeah. right? I think at one point there was a 50% drop from the peak uh, to the trough on new loans that were being written. So when you say last couple of years, are you talking far during COVID times? No, so COVID was was, was gun-ho. Yeah. It was when the interest rates started rising and even slightly before that, when the talks of interest rate rises were coming to fruition, when the bond markets and the futures markets started to price in these rate hikes. Sure. That, so 14, 15 months ago, approximately around that time. Yes. Okay. Um, that's when we, we, we started to see a, a shift because before that it was really low interest rates with the promise of really low interest rates to stay around until yeah. 2024 yeah. which that that promise was was broken yeah. if you or i done that we'd go to jail but let's not get into <laughs> politics um <laughs> and you saw this shift of people were just borrowing as much as they could and then there was really cheap money and then that translated into higher property prices yeah. okay because uh, the more money that goes into an economy a lot of it goes into real estate and you saw prices rise. Yeah. When that changed, then when interest rates started going up, yeah. it became harder to borrow money. And then they started to implement other rules, other, other regulations that also made it harder to borrow money. Yeah. So the amount of new borrowing went down. Yeah. And then that was when we probably started to see property prices slow down a bit. Yeah. And then what happened was interest rates started to rise. Yeah. And so when interest rates started to rise, you saw people – frantically trying to refinance, right? Trying to refinance. So you had this dynamic where new loans were coming off, refinances were going up. So everyone was trying to optimise their interest rates, but no matter, the rates kept going up. Do you know what I mean? You could get it slightly better to lessen the pain, but the big damage was done by by the Reserve Bank. That's right. So even if someone gets a 0.5% discount on their interest rate, but interest rates go up 10 times, it's it's largely irrelevant, right? It's it's totally irrelevant. You know what I mean? And so we, we we had that dynamic that, took place and we saw a lot of that in our business as well so uh, we saw a lot of the new business dry up uh, but we have you know hundreds and hundreds of clients at at Aureus with with mortgages so we obviously done the right thing got on the phones done everything that we could to you know get people better rates Um, I also took it 
uh, as an opportunity uh, in the Aureus group where a lot of mortgage brokers were actually exiting the industry, yeah. okay? Because if there's half the amount of loans, it means it's half the amount of workload for mortgage brokers. Yeah. And so we had a lot of people who were exiting the industry and we bought uh, three separate mortgage businesses, you know, over the past six months or so. So good, well done. Um, thank you, thank you. And that was our play, right? That was our play to accumulate uh, when other people are exiting. Yeah. We wanted to take the other side of the bet and we wanted to, to buy them. And uh, it's worked well in a sense that now we're starting to see green shoots over the past 90 days. We're starting to see the amount of refinancing sort of ease off. Uh, We're starting to see the the bank's policies and and marketing and sales to win refinancing business slow down. And we're starting to see new inquiry for new money start to increase. Now that is the – finance is the key to property. And when when you see finance move – property prices go shortly thereafter. This was like 2018, yeah. right? This was like 2018. I remember the the banking rules changing. I've done some maths and everyone could basically borrow 30% more than they could the day before. Uh, and I said to my wife, I said, we've got to buy a property right now because this is this is going to filter. And lo and behold, 12 months later, property prices were up 30%. Crazy. It's just the flow of money. Was that the, um, was that the APRA's 3% buffer? Mm-hmm. I heard from a, I heard from someone in the woods. A bird, a little birdie, told me. I don't know if you've heard anything, or if you can or cannot say anything. I have heard that there is discussion in the banking se- sectors to reduce that three percent buffer. I've heard a couple of things around this, right? Um, I'm not aproasic, so don't uh, don't think I'm going to. But <laughs> there's a couple of things. So. When interest rates are raising, that's when they increase the buffer uh, to protect borrowers, right? Which is fine. Australia has a very good banking system. I'm never going to knock Australia for that. What happened was when they'd done that, a lot of people got stuck in what's called mortgage prison, okay, where because people could probably borrow 30 or 40% less today than what they could 12 months ago or 18 months ago if they were in an equivalent situation, then a lot of people, if they borrowed a million bucks, they could now – only refinance 700000 so they were stuck on their shitty rate with yep. their current bank. And a lot of banks knew this because they got the algorithms that shows the credits coming in, credits going out. They know when you can't refinance yeah. and they don't discount your rates, right? It's, yeah, it's okay. okay. So they know. The algorithms are very, very smart. And what they're trying to do there is they're trying to say for refinancing dollar for dollar, so no extra debt, they're trying to re- reduce the buffer from 3% down to 1%. I heard one as well and I did not believe it, but you've heard the same thing. For refinancing. For refinancing. Not for new money. Okay. Not for new money. So if okay. you if you wanted to go buy a $500,000 investment property and you were going to borrow four hundred grand, yeah. that, as far as I know, would still have a 3% buffer on it. Okay. But if you had an investment property worth 500000 you got a $400,000 debt on it, and you're going to refinance that to another four hundred thousand dollar debt at a different bank. Yeah. Then the re- the buffer is going to be reduced to one percent. Rumor has it. So this Rumor isn't okay. So this isn't to stimulate the property market. This because I was thinking, why would they want to do that so soon, given everything that's going on in terms of trying to stimulate the property market the way they are? So this isn't to stimulate the property market. It's to assist those who can't get a cheaper rate to help them be able to get a cheaper rate. Correct. Interesting. Which Correct. is such a smart move as well. Well, it should be done right. Like yeah. it's it's in everyone's best interests um, for everyone to pay lower interest rates. Yeah. Even the banks, right? Because if people are doing well, um, you know, if you've got a, a million dollars worth of lending, uh, one rate that's slightly higher, and then you've got one and a half million dollars worth of lending at a rate that's slightly lower, yeah. the bank's going to make more money on, with the one and a half mil, right? Yeah. So it's in everyone's best interest for, for the financial world to be as optimised as, as possible. And, and it, it, it is. It's, it's gone a long way to doing that over the past 20 or 30 years. Yeah. Um, what I think we'll see... 
Last time, it wasn't the buffer rate that made the big jump, Bobby. There was a floor rate at 7.5%. Okay. That got abolished. And because interest rates were so low, they still had the 2.5% buffer, but you, without the floor rate, it went from 75 to 4.5%. Yeah. Like, there was a very, very big jump. Yeah. Uh, and then that's why markets took off last time. So it was, okay. a, bit, it was a bit of a different thing. Okay. Um, but what I think might happen if they want to stimulate the real estate market, which the powers that be always want to stimulate the, the market, because Australia's houses and holes, mate. It's all based on real estate. It's all based on mining. Uh, mining. That's exactly. it, right? That's the Australian economy. People are going to get the shit to the about that, but that's true. true. I've, it, I, I've, it, I've said that numerous <laughs> times before. Well. It's, really just, it's just resources and then and then our property as well. That's migration and property. <laughs> correct, correct, right? Um, and my, migration is a big issue that, that we can talk about. What I think might happen is when the trend in interest rates goes in the other direction, yep. if they want to stimulate property markets, if there's a, a real downtrend in interest rates, then they might cut the buffer because they expect interest rates to continue falling. Yep. Uh, if there's, um, you know, if the futures market and the bond market starts to price that sort of activity in. So yep. here's the thing, Bobby, like big picture, we're looking at the, the, the current little scenario. A country like Australia, where we own and control our own currency, yeah. the powers that be can manipulate everything. Yeah. They, they determine what the price of money is. They determine if it's easy to get, if it's difficult to get. Yeah. Um, inflation, they do things to control that. And they, they essentially control property markets. When they want to stimulate it, they will. Yeah. Because it provides economic growth. When it gets too hot, they'll slow it down. Exactly. They've they've done they've always done this. Yeah. They'll always continue to do this. So the system works. People have to trust in the system that it works exactly how it's supposed to. Yeah, and in regards to the system working, what are your thoughts on Philip Lowe, the, the RBN? I mean, I don't know if you want to sort of mention it on, on, on here or not, but I mean, there's <laughs> lots of talk about him. He should get sacked, and and uh, and nah. he's not. What are your What are your thoughts there? I have an opinion on this, but I'd like to hear yours. Okay. Um, why should he get sacked? He's literally doing his job, right? So his mandate, his mandate, he's got two jobs. It's to have economic growth of between 2 and 3% yep. GDP, and it's to have inflation, CPI, between 2 and 3%. Yeah, That's his goals, right? All he can do is move interest rates and the supply of money. That's it, okay? Supply of money, printing money and cost in costing money. That's, yep. all, that's all he can do. GDP's fine. The Australian economy's... Humming along. Yeah. Go to Hugo's on a Tuesday night and there's there's 150 people in there ordering $55 busters. <laughs> right? It's, I'll tell you, right? It's fine. It's yeah. fine. Um, the Australian economy is doing fine. Inflation's not. It's too high. Yeah. Uh, and it got really high. It, inflation crippled the Roman Empire. Yeah. Germany went to war because of inflation, right? Like inflation can destroy countries, yeah. right? Look at, I think it's Zimbabwe got the trillion dollar notes, it's like two and a half trillion dollars for a loaf of bread. It, Crazy. It, it, so they can cripple things. People have got the shits because Australia's got a lot of debt. Yeah. And people, even me, I've got a lot of debt, right? I've yeah. probably got six times the amount of debt as the average Australian. So it hurts me six times as much. Yeah. But it's the way it's supposed to work. When yeah. inflation's too high, interest rates have to go up to bring it down. It's coming down. They'll overreach because they always do, yeah. and then they'll have to drop interest rates, and then the cycle uh, will continue. So well, I don't think he can get the shits because he's doing he's doing exactly what he's supposed to do. Yeah. So when you say overreach, um, do you do you do you essentially mean they'll go to a point where they see cracks in the system, and then they'll pause it or reverse it back down from there? Yes. So even in, in fl- the rate. The pace of inflation is slowing. Yeah. All right. There's still it's still well above the band, yep. but it's slowing. Yeah. With that being the case, the RBA still had a red hot crack and raised the rates last week. Yeah. Um, Surprise everyone. 
Everyone except for the ComBank economists, I believe. Yeah. They were the only ones that predicted it. They would have made so much money in the futures market. They would have crushed it, those guys. The pace of inflation is slowing, but they still raised rates because they want to put the nail in the coffin. The globally, you know, American inflation also slowed last night and European inflation everywhere. Because it's almost halved, right? Over the last six, seven months, it's pretty much halved. Yeah, but they went a lot harder on the interest rates. They went a lot harder on raising the interest rates than we did. Um, and it impacts them less. So we, we could talk about that in a, in, a, in a little bit. So what the, what, the, what I think they're going to do is they're going to send it too far, right? They're going to send it too far. They're going to get inflation down. They might hurt economic growth in the process, yep. at which point they'll have to pivot. Yep. Uh, and then they'll probably go too far again on the other side, like they did in COVID, right? They put the, the cost of money down to zero. They printed billions and billions and billions of dollars. They yep. gave people $1,000 checks to stay at home and play Zelda on the PlayStation <laughs> on the Nintendo, whatever, whatever it's like, right? And they stimulated too hard yep. and that's what caused the inflation. Yep. And then they'll tighten it too hard and then that will um, cause contraction in the economy yep. and then they'll have to loosen it and they'll loosen it too hard. And that's just how it, that's, that's just how it goes. Yeah, totally aligned with you in all this commentary about <clears throat> him having to get sacked. I think there was a lot of that comes from saying that interest rates won't rise until 2024. Sure, made a mistake there. He shouldn't have promised something that wasn't guaranteed. <laughs> but, and I'm like you, I, I don't want interest rates to go up. It affects me a lot personally. It mm. also affects me in the business. Yes. So we, uh, we get impacted, you and I would get impacted a Big lot time. more than the average person. So I don't want to see interest rates go up, but he's just doing his job. So that's the way I see it. He's, I actually think he's doing a very, very good job. I feel like we have – he's part of the reason. There's also APRA and, and the governing bodies, but we have the most stable financial system almost in the world. 100%. Uh, and it's because – because of you know actions being taken with APRA, independent governing bodies, and and the RBA having to take steps that they do, a hundred percent, mate. And it's it's. Did you hear anyone complaining when they were giving away free money when interest rates were zero? No, no one complained because yeah. everyone likes easier monetary policy. No yeah. one likes tightening monetary policy, but it ebbs and flows. Yeah. Should he have said um, that interest rates were going to stay lower for for longer? And, and make a promise about that. Here's the thing. He was trying to inject confidence, confidence. Yeah. into the system, right? And he did because yeah. people borrowed record amounts in Australia, <laughs> right? Everyone was borrowing money. It was like a, a cowboy saloon. Everyone was just throwing their hat in the ring. Yeah. Um, and it gave us massive economic growth coming out of COVID, yeah. um, which a lot of other countries didn't get. So was he playing the game? Probably. Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm 100% aligned with that. So in terms of the finance side of things, you're seeing refinances slow down, but now you're starting to see those green shoots in terms of um, in terms of new inquiries pick back up. Is that that's fair to say? Yes, that's fair to say. So I don't think refinances have they haven't come off the boil. Yeah. Um, neither for us nor for the the the, the wider market. Yeah. But the volume of refinancing has stopped going up. Yeah. All right, it's sort of plateaued, and I think it'll come off a little bit. Um, and then there's been a small amount of growth in new loans that yep. are being issued for the acquisition of real estate. Yep. Um, and we're also starting to see that filter through in our business, even though our focus has been on on the acquisition of the mortgage books, the mortgage businesses, uh, we are also starting to see just organic inquiry uh, and new loans being written for the acquisition of real estate, so it's much in line with what's happening in the in the the, the, the broader market. Yeah, uh, and that is especially coupled with the three months of back to back price growth that we've had in real estate. Yep. it's all starting to make sense. I don't know if it's going to boom from here. Yeah, but there's green shoots. Yeah, we're seeing the same thing. So in terms of um, inquiries, they've picked right up their their 
pretty much where they were before interest rates started rising. In terms of uh, actual clients coming in as well, that's very close to what it was before interest rates started rising as well. It'd be interesting to see what the most recent interest rate rise does to that. But in terms of inquiries, we're still seeing that. I guess what we're seeing is people don't have that FOMO that they did 12, 18 Mm. months ago where you'd have a call with them and you had to rush to get them through the door because they wanted to buy a property yesterday. Mm. So that's the difference now. People are inquiring. People are ready to come on, but they're taking their time to make a decision uh, and it's a bit of a slower process. Mm. But we've definitely started seeing that inquiry pick back up. Yeah, the dynamic's totally different because back then if you waited three months or six months, you'd be paying... 10% 10% more for a property, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, because the markets were just going that aggressively up. Yeah. Um, is there still markets behaving like that, Bobby? Not at 30 40%. We literally saw markets that did, like we bought in Harvey Bay, did 40% in, in a year. Far out. Um, like literally. There were other markets around Brisbane that were doing 40% in a year. I know you said you had property in Brisbane that did nothing for years and then in two years it sort of doubled in price almost. Yeah, it was it was wild. We always get some appraisals from the managing agent uh, and even the last appraisal we got a little while ago, far out. The thing was, the thing was probably up, you know, 20, 20% from the last time we got an appraisal was like that so there are pockets of, of places that still perform you know what i mean outside yeah. of the broader market 100 percent, that's right and, and even though we're not seeing that 40 percent growth that we saw there are still plenty of markets so all the markets we're currently buying in are still doing over 10 percent growth it's so, fine which there's nothing wrong with 10 percent growth and it's funny like we're talking about this with the team that we need to make sure that people's expectations are set yes because the reality is australian property on average grows at seven percent per annum if you find good Australian property, then it can grow at 10, 12, 13% per annum for a period of time and then it will taper off. Mm. We need to make sure that people don't have that expectation of 30, 40% per annum because that's just not sustainable. It's not, Bobby, I remember talking to you about this when the boom was on yeah. and we were like, this isn't normal. Like yeah. it's not supposed to behave like this. Every single property in the country going up, some of them doing 30, 40%, that's the side effect of 0% interest rates. Exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, imagine if you had 40%, price growth in real estate over a 10-year period, no one in this country would ever buy a property again. Like, yeah. who, 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 you know, it would be too high. Exactly, it'd be too, 100%. It has to take its time. That's right, exactly. And now we're starting to see it. You could throw a dart at the board and you would have picked a winner over that COVID <laughs> period. You literally would have. Yeah, I believe you. Um, whereas sort of now it's, it's even we're seeing it in Adelaide now, it's council to council. So, mm. like, there are specific councils south of Adelaide CBD which are going through a decline. But then there's councils north of Adelaide CBD that are actually performing at over 10% per annum. Mm. So it's literally council to council. I think we're going to start seeing the same thing in Sydney where your northern beaches and eastern suburbs will pick back up quite quickly. They're generally the higher demographic areas, generally the fastest to fall with interest rate rises because of mm. the amount of debt. Mm. But then they're the fastest to pick up when sentiment changes and when interest rates stabilise. So I think we'll start seeing the higher blue chip areas start to pick back up. Whereas we might see those areas out out west or the lower demographic areas that had such good growth over the last few years take a bit longer to to pick back up because the wages just aren't there and Mm. and that demand is just not there as much. Yeah, and I think a lot of it's got to do as well with the sensitivity to interest rates, you know what I mean? If you go into like a new suburb full of house and land packages, uh, you've probably got, um, you know, people that are in their 20s or 30s with a young family with higher living costs uh, that have probably got 80 or 90% LVRs uh, on on their property Um, and they're they're sort of not at their peak earning potential yet. They're probably 10 or 20 years away from their their peak earning potential. Um, So that obviously gets impacted by the the economy, let's call it, right? The broader the economy, interest rates and the cost of 
living and things like that where if you go um, to you know places like Mossman Palm Beach or, or Manly, yes, there's a lot of expensive real estate and yes, there would be some people with high levels of debt that yeah. probably have very high levels of income. They're probably at their peak earning potential. Yeah. But there would be so much real estate that's unencumbered with no yeah. debt that's been owned outright for 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years, generational uh, yeah. style um, wealth. Interest rates don't matter to doesn't property matter. like it. doesn't matter. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's a very different ecosystem in, in particular suburbs. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree with you. So you mentioned something before about the uh, government printing printing money and stimulus and, and, and so forth. And I, that sort of leads me into something else I want to talk about was the budget timely. You came on board two days after the budget. Um, it was a tricky one and, and I'm happy for you to repeat what you thought about the budget when, when I first brought it up. But it's a tricky one with, with, with the budget this time because – they want to make sure that there's a net put under those that need it and they can assist those that, that those that do um, that are in, in strife and so forth. But then they also want to make sure that inflation doesn't spike because of the stimulus that they put in that budget. Mm. So um, I'd love to hear your thoughts on it. Budgets are important to, to, to direct you know, monetary policy and fiscal policy within a country, right? Budgets are important for that. When it comes to investing in property, they don't fucking matter. Yeah. It's not important, <laughs> right? I, uh, for anyone who's listening, I think I got into trouble before because I was yelling in the in Bobby's office uh, <laughs> and uh, people are on the phone, but I'm, I'm a teen. I get fucking excited when I talk. Um, you're it doesn't, a, you're, 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 so I go, mate, should we talk about the budget? You go, fuck the budget. Yeah, <laughs> fuck the budget. That was my exact words. And Bobby, I'll tell you why fuck the budget. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter, right? You, you look at you know at a seventy-year period, right? Since let's say since the war, um, and you look at Australian property, and you've had different political parties in. Uh, you've had interest rates go up and down. Uh, you've had uh, all sorts of you know booms and busts yeah. and events and construction and infrastructure and budgets and yeah. all sorts of things that that economic things that happened. Yeah, it didn't matter. It didn't, 100% I agree. It didn't matter. And it, I think the only thing, the only political thing that, that does matter, there's obviously the monetary policy side of things, but yeah. when you're talking about fiscal policy is immigration. Yeah. All right? So a lot of countries like Australia, uh, without immigration, we wouldn't replace our own population. A bit like Japan, wow. right, where property prices have gone backwards for 25 years yeah. because there's just less Japanese people than there was 25 years ago. Yeah. All right? So dwellings, people need to live there. That Like this is basic. Maths, yeah. right? More people, you need more properties. When they're not supplying the properties, uh, like Australia's always had a constriction on, on policies, especially now, no one's building because there's no money in it, so they're, they're going to wait. You're importing all these people, you're importing economic growth, yeah. right? They've always done that. That's how you and I got here, Bobby, yeah. right? Um, that's our, our our ancestors, our parents or our grandparents got, got immigrated here for work, and the Australian economy or the Australian government have been very, very good at every time they need economic growth, just opening the borders. Yeah. That is probably the only fiscal policy um, decision that has long-term significant impacts on the real estate market. Everything else is noise. I, I totally agree with you. And I like that you said long-term significant impact because like, at the end of the day, if the country or the market has the right fundamentals, such as population growth or all the other fund fundamentals we talk about, these changes in policy will not override those fundamentals that are there. Like we saw Queensland wanted to bring in the tax, optional tax to interstate <laughs> investors. They wanted to bring that in. That was a policy that would have had a short-term minor impact on the property market. My 
thought process with that was there was lots of talk about people wanting to leave that property market because of the additional tax. My thought as an investor and as Why? a professional investor, great, less investors means more pressure on rent prices um, and means more stronger returns on your investment property. 100%. Pay the, ta- pay the tax, you get better returns. And my thinking was also if you have to pay the tax because you have a property in Queensland or in Brisbane, but Queensland or Brisbane is going to grow at 10% over the next six or seven years rather than 7%, pay the tax, you're getting much more stronger capital gains. <laughs> That's the best place to invest in. A hundred percent. So there's these fundamentals that you want to think about and those fiscal changes or, or policies will, will, will have a short-term impact here and there. But as long as those fundamentals are there, property prices will continue to go up. A hundred percent. Bobby, I've got a perfect example, right? So I hosted a webinar once where we were talking about uh, property investment, right? Years ago. I actually feel like you were there. Uh, I think me and you hosted it together. <laughs> <Okay>. uh, <laughs> I think I really think we did um, back in the back in the the young days when we weren't great. And I don't I don't know if you remember, but there was a, a, a young gentleman, uh, war young back then, who uh, brought up it was a Northern Territory, right? And he was talking about uh, this fiscal policy where they were going to pay people uh, to uh, to move to a particular area. And he his reasoning behind that was that you, your property prices are going to boom because of because of this. And my reaction is the opposite. Yeah. It's like if you need to pay someone to go move to an area, it's a shit area yeah. that people don't want to live in, and you need to pay them to go and live there. Yeah. Right? I'm not saying shit area from a lifestyle perspective, but for the growth of real estate. Yeah. No one has ever had to been paid to live in Bondi yeah. or Point Piper. People just want to live there. And talking about the East, did you see the $50 million property in Tamarama that just sold? No. It was uh, just released yesterday. Was it sick? Was it awesome? No, it was was just an old brick brick (laughs) home owned by the same owners for the last 50 years, an elderly lady who who spent her whole life there. $50 million on the headland in Tamarama. Uh, I remember when $50 million used to get you you a a two-acre mansion on the water of a helicopter pad. Not anymore. It'll be a knockdown. So someone's going to go for another thirty mil at it to yeah. build the house, yeah, yeah. hundred million dollar home. Sorry, I'm sorry to interrupt you and, and get you nah, train of thought potentially, that's good. but it's totally related. You're talking about that those areas where people just will pay any price they can to live yeah. in, right? And for someone like that, for someone who throws fifty million at a property, none of this matters. Yeah, like none of it. You know what I mean? It's yeah. that that person is so focused on whatever they're doing in their life um, that. The, the allocation of capital to a $50 million piece of real estate is just a decision that they're going to pursue. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and I, I think, to be honest, Bobby, I think more people should have that opinion in life. Like yeah. people blame the economy for things. They blame the industry. They blame their boss. They blame interest rates or they blame the government or the labor or liberal or whatever it is. They blame everyone but themselves. Yeah. Where – for me, the people that um, that I've been blessed to, to meet and to work with uh, in, in, in my life, the people that achieve the most don't pay attention to any of that. Yeah. They look at exactly what's in their backyard, they look at themselves and they focus on what they're doing and what they're going to achieve. Yeah. Um, and I, to be truthful, I think more people should be doing that. I, I totally agree with you. I think, um, I think there is a big, big problem with especially a lot of the younger generation, um, when I say younger, even our, our age as well, um, where – they look externally for, for excuses as to why things have happened, mm. whereas you have so much you can control internally. Mm-hmm. And if you start thinking, oh, my boss did this, my parents did this, that's why I'm like this, then you're never really going to improve and you're, you're taking responsibility out of your own hands to improve yourself in other ways. We talked about this on your podcast when I came on with Aladdin, actually. <laughs> it's the exact same thing. Aladdin, he's a legend. <laughs> he is, mate. Aladdin is the <laughs> You are a legend, Aladdin. <laughs> you king. I'm going to ring him later. <laughs> um, 
so I totally agree that in terms of the budget, um, I think I think for the professional investors and for the long term fundamentals, it's not going to have an impact. There were there were some minor things in there that that were were sort of announced, and I think it is important for those probably more mum and dad investors or mm. those investors who maybe not as experienced or don't have that strong mentality that you know that that potentially those more experienced investors do. And and I guess the things that they've announced is is sort of showing us that um, the federal government is starting to lean more towards pro investors like they are in um, giving tax breaks for build to rent they're increasing not just investors they're also increasing first time owners to 50,000 people it doesn't just have to be de facto or married it can yes. be it can be friends and family and so forth i guess these sorts of things again it's positive for property um, some people may look at it and say it's great that you can help those 50,000 people annually all that's going to do is it's going to put fuel to the fire that's an extra 50,000 people who need housing in the country and You've got a migration, you know, you've got a, you've got a flood of migration coming in, 400,000 or 350,000 people every year. So these sorts of policies that are being put in place, it is just going to put upward pressure on house prices. And while it's good to help those 50,000 people, there is a serious supply issue um, in this country and that's what needs to be fixed. I, I don't know how you fix that, Bobby. Like I look at now, if you buy a house and you need to knock down and, and build another property on it, by the time you've spent all the money, the 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 end value is going to be less than what you've allocated. Yeah, you've lost money on a project, and yeah. a lot of projects like t- today are like that. Yeah, I, I how, how do you fix that? Because that needs to be fixed. Like all these people need somewhere to live. Otherwise, you are going to get this upward pressure on on interest rates. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I'm not that smart, but it's going to be it's going to be a problem. Um, that. That needs to be fixed. Like years ago, New South Wales were looking was looking at introducing something to make all of New South Wales medium density. Yeah, everywhere. Okay. Wow. Right. Wow. Um, so you could you know knock down a, a house on a six hundred square meter block and build a couple of townhouses, which yeah, would okay. it wouldn't double the supply of stock, but it would it would help in a lot of areas. Yeah. Um, I don't think it ever come to fruition. You know what I mean? I don't think yeah. it ever come to fruition. Well, they're going to have to loosen up zoning laws pretty much across the board. But you've got the other problem where. Top tier, top tier builders are going into liquidation. Like you've got, you've got a serious problem in the in the construction space at the moment as well. So, you not only do you have that migration, you know, if that many, that amount of people coming into the country, you've got builders who can't actually builders who are going bust or go, you know, going to liquidation, so we can't actually build those properties anyway. We'll see the impact of that. We'll see the impact of that over the next couple of years. We are already with rent prices, right? There you go. With with rent, this is what we we're talking about before, Bobby, when we when we went to go grab these delicious coffees. Um, <laughs> We're talking about post uh, Sydney Olympics, right? So, sort of, you know, two thousand and two up until two thousand and eight, the the GFC. Yeah. Um, you essentially had rents double or triple in Australia. Yeah. You had property prices do absolutely nothing in Sydney. They went, they doubled in in Perth, but in in Sydney, they'd done absolutely nothing. Yeah. Um, and then what happened post GFC? Uh, monetary policy, printing money, reducing the cost of money very low, and you had property prices double in in a two year period. Yeah. The property prices were always going to do that because the rent and the cash flow that was being produced from those properties was building up for yeah. a, a six or eight year period. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? When I think rents, and I know you guys track them really, really closely, the, the, the growth or the contraction in rent is a much clearer indicator to me about the health of a, a market than the, the actual price, the actual capital price of a property. I totally agree with you. When yields get to a certain point in a market, you can very accurately predict that they're gonna, that's going to slow down and we're going to start seeing capital growth. And yes. We're even seen that on the on the beaches and i think that's part of the reason why property prices have picked up over the last three or four months because uh, personally myself last year we were, we were renting and then the rent for a family home on the northern beaches became the same as buying a, a townhouse uh, on the northern beaches in an area that is is, is superior so we we're thinking okay well you can either rent in a house or you can do a slight downsize in a, in a better location the rent and mortgage was identical 
makes sense to pay pay for a mortgage and pay your own house off than pay rent somewhere else. There you Whereas go. A few years ago, the difference would have been massive. So you sort of know when the yields get to a certain point, you know that capital growth is going to catch up. People, if they can afford to pay the rent and the mortgages are the same, they're going to find that money from somewhere, either from a parent or a guarantor or whatever it might be, to then go buy those properties. 100%, mate, 100%. And this, this is all going to unfold over the next couple of years. And then the next time we do a podcast, we're going to be talking about FOMO again, where people are tripping over each other to, to, to get into the market. And this is, the cycle just goes on and on. Um, and I think that's what people need to, to focus on. Yeah, 100%. I totally agree with you. So um, I guess the other thing I wanted to touch on is is no one has a crystal ball, but you, you do know your stuff when it comes down <laughs> to the economy and, and, and different levers and, and what's sort of going on at the moment. Love to hear your thoughts. I know the last interest rate rise caught everyone off guard. I'd love to hear your thoughts on on what you think is going to happen over the next, say, you know, six or twelve months, and 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 based, not just based in Australia, but based on what's happening globally. All right. I think what we'll start to see is we'll we'll continue to see the pace of inflation slow. Yeah. We might see it come into an acceptable level with a number of developed countries, including Australia. Yeah. I think we're going to see the reserve banks of the world, the central banks of the world, overshoot their tightening, yep. continue to raise interest rates. Yep. You think they'll continue slightly more from here? I think so. Yep. That's that's the rhetoric. You know, when he raised uh, rates uh, last week, he did say if inflation stays above target, we're going to raise again. Inflation's above target, yeah. so they're probably going to raise again. Yeah, okay. I think they'll overshoot that. I think inflation will fall back into where it needs to go. Yeah. Uh, and then I think they'll probably have to actually backtrack a couple of rate rises to find a bit of equilibrium. Yeah. Uh, and then something else will happen. Uh, I don't know what it's going to be yet, but something else will happen in the global economy or in the country or there'll be another thing that we're, that we're talking about. Yeah. Um, but that's, that's how I think it'll pan out. Yeah, okay. Summarise that. I think inflation will slow down yeah. to target level. I think Reserve Bank will continue to raise rates. I think they'll go too far, and I think they'll drop them once inflation hits. Do you think too far in Australia or too far globally? Because I know there was talk that uh, the RBA in Australia was going to stop rates because there were banks in America that were starting to uh, go into liquidation, and 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 also they were starting to close down and and, and so forth. Do you think that the RBA? Because I mean, the banking system here is is so strong that we're not going to see. Um, We'll, we'll, we'll start seeing, we already have started seeing some distress selling. Do you think in terms of those cracks in the in the financial system you're talking about is widespread distress selling? Do you think it's pressure in, on the banks in Australia? Do you think it's pressure on the banks in the States? What do you think that those cracks would be? No, I don't know if they'll break it. I, I don't know if they'll break the system and, and send it into recession. We, we were in recession a couple of years ago. Like, yeah. it's it's not often that you have these really close back-to-back recessions. Australia went 20 years without a recession. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So I, I think it could be I think it could be overplayed. There was very specific reasons those banks uh, in the states uh, ran into liquidity issues. You know that that tech bank in the states had a lot of money in tech companies that got absolutely crushed, massive layoffs, uh, no capital to continue debt raising or capital raising, and then they had a lot of money in crypto businesses which were also getting crushed. Yeah. Uh, and so you had. Yep, you had everyone just pulling their money out because they were both losing money, those two industries losing money. Two of the most fierce. volatile industries. That's right. what I mean. And then this bank had everything in, in those two baskets. Yeah. It makes sense. Do you know what I mean? All yeah. the interest rates did was remove the liquidity and then they got caught swimming with their undies down. You yeah. know what I mean? Um, I think whether or not it happens in Australia or globally, Every, everything happens globally now, Bobby. Yeah. It's, we, we saw that you know when COVID happened, the whole world – 
done the money printing, the whole world done the zero interest rates. Yeah. Off the back of it, when inflation started, the whole world got inflation. Yeah. You know, it didn't escape anywhere. Some yeah. more than others, but the same thing happened. Yeah. When interest rates started going up, same thing. They went up across the entire world. Some went up more than others. Yeah. But the world is so globally connected now. What happens here is going to happen there, and what happens there is going to happen there. And that's yeah. um, that that will pan out. So. To answer, yes, it, I think it will happen globally yeah. at different paces in different countries. All right, well, it'll be interesting to see. Interesting to see how it plays out. I think. Um, I think for today, we've added a ton of value to the listeners, and I've loved having you on. It's always great to have a uh, great to have some banter, and love to get you on again in the uh, in the coming months. I can't wait to come back, Bobby. I love this. Thanks a lot. Thanks, mate. mate. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the Lazy Equity Podcast. The advice given on this podcast is of a general nature only, and you should make your own decisions before taking any financial risks. If you would like to stay in touch with the show, join the Lazy Equity Facebook group or find the Investors Agency on Instagram and Facebook.